if you are located outside of the European Union, the United Kingdom and or Switzerland, then you need an authorized representative. So I have a good news, you have found it with Easy Medical Device. And if you are also in need of an importer in Europe and in Switzerland, then contact us definitely at info at easymedicaldevice.com. I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com and I'm sure we can help you. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. I am Munir Alazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standards today? Okay, so let the show begin. <coughs> Are you ready? Yeah? So thank you everyone for joining to this uh, panel discussion. So we had a great journey today about uh, digitalization, so I hope you enjoyed it. Um, thanks again to uh, the MDKU Association for inviting me and uh, organizing this panel discussion. Um, what I want to do mainly first is mainly to ask some questions to the, the audience, uh, to the, um, the presenters here, and maybe we can open the, the round of discussion with the, with the audience if you are, if you are fine. Um, so the first question I, I wanted to have is for Karim. Uh, so Karim, we looked at this uh, East Star, North Star model, et cetera, that, uh, that we have. Um, first, do we consider that digitalization or it's, because you said mainly that it's just a PDF file that you are filling and you are software developer since like now, maybe nearly 20 years. Uh, so have we really moved forward or it's, we are still, yeah, yeah, in a, in the, at the same place. <laughs> so I would say, yes, we moved forward, but much too slow, right? So it's, but it's also something I would say special German. I okay. read a few <laughs> Weeks ago, a LinkedIn post also where digitalization in Germany and everything, you can have everything on the iPhone, but we print out our tickets because sicher is sicher. Uh, this is digitalization in Germany somehow, and this was already 20 years ago, um, and this is still somehow the mindset change, but does not happen. So people does not trust in digital tools, and also when... You, I remember during the COVID period, I think every company has a digital signature, all the validations, but also those people in regulator who has a signature stamp. No one was considering this, but about digital tools, we always think too complicated, I would say. Okay. Uh, is this specific to Germany or are Euro. we about worldwide? Or? I, I can only speak to German because I live uh, in Germany and... So I think this is very special here when I go to other countries. When you go to China, for example, you have everything digital, right? So you, you use WeChat for, on, you can do everything with WeChat and no one has any paper uh, with them. Or in Estonia, I know, for example, this is also, when you are closer here, you have no, a digital ID and we are here. We love paper. And is safety engaged on those countries? Like, do we have more issues, more problems, more? I don't think so that this is really to digitalization. Okay. 
And um, we talked about China, so digitization China. We saw a lot of things about that with the, your phones, as you've said, etc. Um, we see also that they are going really beyond uh, in terms also of collection of data, um, using those data, and maybe putting some restrictions. So is this something that we maybe can see also here uh, in Europe? So I think we have... Uh, so. Digitalization was one topic, right? So it's a long time ago. And what did we do in Germany or in Europe? We make the uh, Data Privacy Act, yeah. what is much complicated. Now each website has this thousand checkboxes. This is a European mindset of digitalization, I would say. To put more, yeah. I mean, try to be more secure by putting more yeah. uh, work, if I can say, on it directly. Great, thank you. Uh, Sarah, I had a question for you for your presentation. So you had already made this journey within your company to digitalization. So um, if you had to look back now, I mean, I don't know how long it took, but mainly if you had to look back now, would you do exactly the same thing? Was there any mistakes and maybe something that the audience can learn from it and yeah, not do it? Mm, yes, of course, I will do there something different. Of course, learning is uh, every time the same. Um, yeah, I personally would prefer to search for more sponsorship. So, um, Monet or? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, and, and the higher management, um, of course, there are more supporters um, who are able also to bring their opinion in and um, to engage also such such projects to support the volunteers which uh, work in such projects. Um, and also, I don't want to combine this any longer with MDR. So everybody in the organization have in mind, digitalization is just an MDR topic and we don't need to care in other countries. So it was really hard to train them as well that we... Um, talk about a general topic and um, not a special MDR topic. Okay. And um, we have, I mean, you had this journey on digitalization. Um, do you see, I mean, we are on the medical device field. We talk about that on this conference, etc. So is there any other fields that are also on this journey or we are late or at which level we are in comparison to maybe the other like banking or car company or... Um, I think we are on the starting point. Um, so um, having a look into other industries as well, um, we are a little bit behind, of okay. course. Um, but yes, finally, we are on the way. So first step, first improvements. Um, all the big companies care, currently care about ERP system yes. change. Um, as I read there an article some uh, months ago, it was told that Germany especially um, stay with the same ERP system 15 years. So after 15 years, there is the first opportunity to change the ERP system. So if this is true, then we are on a good way. Okay. No, I think it's a, it's a great point. Um, Denise, we had your presentation now about uh, RQM Plus and your journey by not building, if I can say, but acquiring some, some companies. Um, do you think that now for maybe manufacturers or other consulting firm or anybody, um, is the IT department really the one of the most important departments to work with in the future? Is it like the asset, the new, the new asset of a company? 
I don't talk about uh, managing your servers or yeah. hash buying computer. You, it's you more about the technology. Exactly. The technology part, yeah. well, well, I mean, maybe for, I mean, for us, it felt like a necessary step to do. Right. And I also know some other consultancy that walked up to us and said, why the heck are you doing this? You're actually not charging 10 hours to the customer anymore. And now you charge five, you, you're losing money, not making money. So that's one way to look at it. But I think if we don't start doing it and being more efficient, someone else do. So that's kind of the approach we took to say it's, it's just the next logical thing to do. Um, but yeah, each system you're bringing house also costs maintenance, right? So it's easy to think like, hey, let's just purchase a software and we use it. And that's the one-off cost, but it's not a one-off cost, right? You have to maintain it. You have, you know, we're using like an AI software. You need computing power. You need storage. It's, this is all, you know, a cost item. So I think it's more an investment to some extent, right? To kind of make more sense out of the offering. But uh, yeah, if someone thinks that's the right move to make more money, I can tell you for now it is not. Right now we're getting better and we're getting attraction from customers saying, you figured out a way to make it more efficient. Okay. So let's talk about it. Yeah. Okay. And um, we, we are talking about manufacturers, service providers. Um, do you think that if we are putting pressure, trying to push the manufacturers to digitalize, but not also the other um, economic operators, it can also maybe fail? I, th I think we're in this together, right? Yeah. I mean, the consultancies don't make a penny if the manufacturers are not there, right? I mean, it's, it, I think it has to go hand in hand to some extent. And that's why I was saying, like, I think you can, as a manufacturer, kind of really give direction on where you want your vendors, your partners to go, right? With their, with their software they use or their products they use. Because it's ultimately, we're doing it for them, right? Yeah. Not, so, yeah, I think it, we're in this together. That's how I see it. Okay, so it's beneficial and mainly for, yeah. for both that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sarah, uh, I have um, looked at your presentation about um, uh, the, the open source data model. Okay. When I heard open source, I thought, okay, it's like the software industry before or the software before, like open source means I will put it on the internet and I have a lot of people that will come and put their small snippets here, put their, I mean, contributing. So is this that kind of open source model? Like I can come and contribute on your model and add a small thing here or change a small thing there? That's a good question, Munir. And um, we talked a lot about the license model that, that we need here. Um, and it's definitely not the, the kind of open source uh, that you mentioned here. Um, but the idea was that um, it's a data model that is developed from the community for the community, and we want to provide it for free. And as I have um, shown, we also have kind of a hierarchy here. And we want to provide a general hierarchy that is applicable for, for the different medical device types. And let's say that way, um, the foundation of that data model shouldn't be changed when a medical device company applies it because it doesn't make sense because we want to agree on the data model for manufacturers and also notified bodies. But it could be that um, a specific company decides that they need additional layers in the hierarchy for their products to have more more level here, right? Um, and um, we have decided that we need a specific license type here. Honestly, I have, I'm not an expert for that. So um, I have a colleague here, Holger Brunner, and he has, um, he did some research uh, and he also discussed that license with DIN um, because it's, it's part of the, the agreement that we have here. But important is it will be provided for free. Okay. So when we say for free means um, 
we can go to your website. We'll learn from this model, look at this model, and I can download something. Or exactly. Because I just want to be practical to people. <laughs> exactly. What are we talking here for free? Yeah, PDF file. Yeah. No, okay. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it will be. Well, we we discuss also the different formats that we need, and right now we said it will be an XML file for sure. Yeah. So a bit similar to the files that IMDF provides for mm -hmm. the IMDF codes here. Um, but maybe also JSON files. So let's see what the community needs in the future. And it will be provided probably um, on our website, but maybe also on the Dean website, board website. This is what we have to, to discuss and then decide yeah, where you can find the data. Okay. But you don't have to pay for it. Okay, still in progress then. Um, Marcus, um, we talk about, uh, I mean, I try to pick some keywords here. Sure. Speed, efficiency, quality, compliance, productivity. This is what we get as a promise, if I can say, with digitalization from many sessions that I looked at. So if I get this as a reward, if I can say, so why we have a lot of manufacturers that are still not moving to that? Why I meet still manufacturers that are on the paper-based as a consultant? So they come to me and they show me some papers that they have. So why we are not already on this journey here? Or some of them. I mean, that's that's a really great question, right? Um, because it will involves, from my perspective, also a, a mindset shift, right? If we speak about digital mindset and also a cultural mindset within the companies, and it depends where you on the journey, how much pressure you are feeling, um, and and driving this really uh, forward. So I think that uh, it is coming, but you know, until some time ago, it was still. It was doable within the parameters to operate like that, but the pressure to to change is is increasing. So, um, and I think we we see this more and more because it's not only efficiency, but I also think that um, our subject matter experts, you know, that doesn't make them happy every day to generate a PDF document. Right? I'm not in the industry to say like, you know, it made me so happy yesterday. I created ten PDFs. Right. Um, but we want to do, we are highly, there are a lot of highly skilled people. They want to uh, not do, they didn't come to this industry. Also, when you think about clinical evaluation writing, to uh, copy paste information, they want to do really um, thinking stuff, right? Drawing conclusions. And I would like to enable them to come to work that they have a really purpose and, and make that actually happen. And the software should do the rest. And I think that is that is some part that should not be forgotten. Forgotten, um, but it, it it is it's going to change um, slowly, but it's coming. Okay. <clears throat> and is the period of the coronavirus helped also to move this? Yes, it has helped. Things that were difficult in the past are now completely, totally accepted. Um, I have an example where. In the past, right, we had uh, documents that were digital, like Word files or PDFs, <laughs> but then you had to sign them. And we didn't have, a, a, we had some tools, but not like a corporate standard tool where we can all uh, digitally fully compliant um, sign. And we have implemented that. And, and that was implemented, I think, with high speed because we needed it to, to function as a global corporation. And that had definitely, there was no question if that is going to be implemented. It was implemented to keep us going because we needed to be compliant at that time and to, to, to enable that. And today it is 
there nobody is going to question that anymore, right? This is this is established, and now everybody's saying, "Oh, do you put this in this tool?" Okay, fine, and then send it over to me, and everybody has access to this. Great. Um, we talk about also the journey of digitalization. Um, is it a never-ending journey? Because in the 1980s, we talked about the move of, to a fax, then to a scanning a document, then to send documents per email, which is digitalization also for maybe some people. Uh, then we move to PDF filling that we can fill directly, etc. So now we move to those applications. Is the AI, for example, the next revolution that we will be talking about in, at the next Medics Day, maybe? Yeah, I think that we are on a journey, and this journey is not ending. So um, this is kind of also, again, the mindset, right? This digital transformation, and I think uh, Erica this morning um, explained that in also in her talk, you, you're changing something, it, cha it, it turns into a new product, you have digitally transformed the product, but then there's new barriers, there's new obstacles that come out of result of that, and then you need to continue to improve that one, uh, that part as well. So to believe that that you are finished at some point, that is, I think, that we something that we need to overcome. And therefore, I think the change management is also such an important role because, for me, change and adaption is the new normal and you need it to be successful. Okay. Just maybe a question to everyone quickly. Um, the, we talk about digitalization as an asset with a lot of benefits and everything. Can you try to give me one threat of digitalization and how maybe we can avoid to have this threat? I think for me, it's the assumption that you can switch off your brain just because there's something digital. Mm -hmm. right? And AI is the best example of it. It's not fixing everything. It's helping you. And only by learning the tool, it makes you better. So I think that for me is a threat that people think, oh, you know, I just need less people. I have some processes automated that just flow with it. I think that's not that's not going to happen. That's that's a threat if people think that way and make the investments in that direction. So. Yeah, and you know, some technologies are really powerful. So you can do a lot with technology, but if you don't know um, what you would like to do with it, right? Mm -hmm. So the use case is very important that you first think about the use case and then also like a strategy. Um, what do I really want to achieve? Then you can lose yourself in the technology and waste time for uh, implementation of small functionalities. But if they are really helpful at the end for the users, that's another question here. And in terms of cybersecurity, Harry, maybe something? No? <laughs> I, I think uh, we have enough panic about okay. ChatGPT. <laughs> so, for example, this is how it works at our company. So there was an announcement I don't know, two weeks ago, how dangerous ChatGPT should be. We shouldn't use it. Um, instead of training the people, educate the people, because I would say in the future, this is something what we have to learn with. And if you are always be, let's say, thinking about what can go wrong mm -hmm. with digitalization, then you are in the end too slow. And maybe this is what um, yeah, Sarah said in the beginning. You need to be open for change, right? So... There is AI coming. It's not a threat. Let's take it as a chance. So you have to adapt it. It's the same as with, um, I don't know, when you have kids. So should they use a, when should they use a smartphone? So it's now intuitive that they have touch screens and everything. 
is it a risk or is it the future? So I think it's more philosophically, but so I don't think that there are much, not, not more risk than paper, right? So yeah, <laughs> okay. You can also cut your finger on a paper. Exactly. It's a very dangerous thing. <laughs> um, okay, so maybe let's open the, um, to the floor if they ha you have any questions. So I hope I didn't ask you all the questions possible that uh, we have still some people that are interested. So anybody for a question? No? Ah, here? How do I get the different stakeholders in my company on board that they want to do this investment? How do I get the upper management on board? How do I get quality management on board? What are the, the goodies that I can show them to say, yeah, look, this is a journey that will be very expensive, will be a lot of work. We are all very relaxed because the MDR was absolutely no work. Nobody's overworked for MDR. We really don't know why it's uh, expanded until 28 or something. You know, we've been finished from day one on more or less. So now we're coming to this next big thing. A lot of work for everybody. How do I get them to buy in? So, yeah, maybe Sarah, as you had this journey and you had convinced your management for that. So how have you done yeah, so of course it's no black and white and no easy answer. Um, so um, as we have the discussion very often also in our organization, and I have this discussion last week as um, as well, it's important to understand where your management or your board is. So um, stepping in their shoes. So are they more focusing from... Come, did they come um, by intent from manufacturing? So um, are they production-focused? Are they R&D innovation-focused? So what is the driver? Under try to understand their thinking um, about why should they buy in? So getting in their shoes, try to understand it and... Um, Think about argumentation and try it with peers, of course, um, what the argumentation is, and then um, bring it um, for, yeah, bring it into the um, important meeting. So, of course, start it with smaller ones and then going for the big one. So, this is the only thing which I can recommend. Maybe as an add on to that one, I think so. What I'm trying to do is identify the clear business problem that you're trying to solve. What is really the problem um, that you're trying to focus on? And not like, oh, we just need another software tool. Another software tool will do nothing. Um, but what is actually the business problem that, and, and that will help you? And then uh, what I learned is make like bite-sized chunks. Don't try to, you know, digitalize too much in one, one way, but maybe a proof of concept that this works, then start small that you can also show that you are generating business value. Because I'm like thinking if somebody is just saying like we need the technology for the sake of technology, that doesn't convince me and my team. Because I think within my teams that I'm working with, they're saying, what's in for me, right? The business user is saying like, what does it do for me at the end? And if that is a convincing case, you get their buy-in and they will also to speak to, to other people. But we're trying to keep it uh, 
small size initially that you can also show that you can do something and then you build on those successes. I would partially agree and partially disagree um, because when you say start small, what we often see at Avasis is that the overall digital strategy is missing. So that different departments buy different um, software tools, right? But at the end, the integration and the overall digitalization strategy is missing. So I would say the best way is for sure that the management is aware that the company requires digitalization to be competitive in the, in the future and then develops a strategy for the different departments that you have. Best way, right? But I would agree that um, typically in the daily life we see the small project to demonstrate, hey, look what the benefit could be And then based on that example, you can convince people that it is really helpful and that they understand the business case here. Yeah, and I'm not saying that you should do this like behind doors or in a hidden group and not make it transparent. Because you can work, in our case, with solution architects within the company that they see this would fit in a bigger strategy. But still, you don't, you know, I'm not saying like, You could say, like, I want to uh, improve the end-to-end -end product lifecycle management process from ideation until uh, product decommission. Yeah, okay, that product will immediately fail because you will never revolutionize the end-to-end -end process uh, right from the start, even if you have the, the company strategy on top of it, because that, it's just too big. You can't, you can't swallow this at, at once. But you can have a vision and a strategy and then develop a plan where you... Get, how do you get from A to B, but still work with manageable pieces of that part? You can't do so many things in parallel because you only have limited money, limited resources, and start somewhere. And then, but because if you only work three or four years and nobody sees the value, and I think we had that in some talks, right? Um, you need to deliver a software project also within a meaningful time. If, if you come back and after five years, that's too slow, then everything already, the world in medical device and the requirements have changed and the product is already outdated. So um, I think we are, maybe we have here a lot of quality and regulatory affairs people that maybe participated also to audits with a notified body that is coming, that is auditing and that is providing you a big list of non-conformities, which can be sometimes for some certain company a catastrophe. So is this also, if I can say the right moment, to explain that maybe having a digital tool can help on this problem or that problem? As you said, finding really the problem and the solution. But is it like the right moment also to raise your hand and say, here is a tool that I can write? Karim? Yeah, well, you know, in my former company, Athera Medical, which uh, was a startup at that point, we implemented in 2014 the first digitalized processes for our um, product development. And then over the time of three, four years, we implemented more and more processes in a digitalized way. And we realized during the audits that we had less and less non-conformities related to things like, hey, there's not the right version of that format used or mm, the date of the signature was not correct. So those not really valuable non-conformities were totally eliminated for those processes. It was, that was really fascinating. And what we get were non-conformities for really important issues. So we learned a lot. And the, the, the audit itself changed, so it was much faster. 
um, which could also be a disadvantage yeah. because <laughs> at the end uh, we were sitting uh, there and the auditor says, well, okay, we have uh, two more hours. What can I have a look at? <laughs> um, but the focus of the audit changed and that helped a lot. And the notified bodies were also really impressed how more, how yeah, much easier the audit was. Karim? Um, yeah, I think this is something where we are in this room. So in this regard, I would wish to have a regulation that we have to submit something in the format. So like it is with the Easter, so it's now mandatory. So there is no discussion in our company. Oh, should I use this PDF or this PDF? Should I use this tool or this tool? So if there is something like, a, for example, the MDKU, if they become really regulated, not only standard that, for example, our notified body is saying, I expect this from you now. This works, I would say. So having the regulators telling you you should make that happen is also a good motivation. Uh, yeah, so good if motivation. this becomes more, in, let's say, in the regulation of the MDR, mandatory that you have to submit something digital or things, I think the only hint that the MDR is looking in this direction is this small sentence in Annex 2 that, the, uh, that you need um, searchable Documents exactly. and everything like like this, but there is nothing about digitalization in the MDR. Good. Any other question? Yeah, Florian? Yeah, uh, coming back to the question, how do I get the money and how do I start implementing? So what do I do if I don't have a solution architect in my company because I am the only regulatory person and the quality person and the clinical person? <laughs> So um, I, I tried to answer because in the beginning we also didn't have there so much resources from the IT department or from other departments. So we are starting more likely from the poor quality regulatory and clinical part. Um, <clears throat> what did we do? We learned from the companies, um, like I explained uh, in the beginning. So we invited us different um, companies and um, for showcasing their software. We learned a lot about the terminology. We learned a, lo uh, a lot of what was good or even not fitting our expectations or even the expectations from all participants. We make the group bigger and bigger um, and decided um, for some special cases um, looked um, definitely just in um, risk management as an example um, and focusing on risk management or just focusing on another topic. So we are we are really make it from a very big one uh, to a very small one and then starting to um, yeah to understand what could be the software, what could be the value from the software. And then we are starting with the next process. And then we look for two or three processes. And if this software really fits um, to our um, yeah, values for our purposes. Yeah. So um, in terms of money, I don't know if we can talk about money here. Yeah, but, uh, yeah of course. Um, so you need to talk about money. Exactly. But uh, how much? <laughs> um, are we talking about 
5,000 euro. I'm talking about 1 million, about 10 million. I mean, I, I can't uh, talk no, really about that. I, I, I just want some kind of range, if I can say. What should I ask to my boss, for example? Um, yeah, of course, you can uh, create uh, different business cases. Yeah, mm -hmm. so um, you can uh, can start to um, to ask for what is the cheapest version okay. and um, what does it bring um, for the company in general? Yeah, and um, what is the value of the highest version? Did you recommend this, or if you recommend the middle? So something like this. So you you have to find your own strategy. It's nothing that you can. Should I, is my strategy, if, if, if I want to propose yeah. strategy, should I give it bit by bit? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, you can start. I, as I think this morning the question was also, okay, there is a software, but there is a training of people, there is a, the consultant that maybe will come to transfer anything. Um, is... Yeah, of course. So, um, yes, you need to be transparent on the cost of the software. Did you consider everything? No. Because you can't. Yeah. So finally, you don't know what kind, um, what really expert did you need? Um, who's the software developer you need from the IT department and from other departments which come in finally to help you in the project? What you can do is there is um, a price um, which you get from the company, from the software company, um, which helps you to digitalize um, the uh, the software. And then, firstly, you have to trust on it. You have to um, make your requirements, uh, you have to prove your requirements, you have to make their showcase, and if you have the impression that um, also the cost expectation fits to what you get finally, um, then you can go there and ask for more. And Florian talked about the fact that it started with quality or regulatory affairs. So is it is it also a problem for the other department that says it was not my decision, it was not my choice, I don't like this thing, even if it's the best tool, but it's not you didn't involve the others. It depends on the company, okay. I would say. Um, yeah, so of course my and my understanding from quality is also or could be a bit a little bit broader than in others. Um, I want to enable the business. I want to be part on, on the business. I want to help that we can finally bring their good devices or software solutions or whatever into the market as a medical device. So um, if I have um, this in mind and if I want really to support this, then I have to do this like I did it. So um, I have to go for it and I have to decide and to help And it could be also that in um, R&D department would go first. Yeah, then I have to support the R&D department in this case. It's not a, a not a discussion about the department. It's a discussion about the need. Right. Any other questions? Nomania, maybe something to, to, to add to that yeah. one. I think how I see that is that it's no longer any more business versus IT. Right. The old world where we had business and then you went to the IT department and the IT department chose some software for you, I don't think that this is leading to success anymore. And there we come again with the digital mindset. It's about collaboration. It's because in how we work together today in, with our IT partners. So first of all, I, I ask my business people also to have better understanding about the IT processes so the IT knowledge um, training and knowledge needs to grow. 
um, to understand that better. IT needs to understand more business, but in the projects, we are together as partners, together responsible for the success. And if it's failing, we are also both accountable for the failure of the project. So we have basically shifted the mindset how we work on this project. So it's not like you and us uh, or you and they, whatever, um, but it's like we, we together work on this one and we want to make this as a, as, a, as a project team, whatever, we want to make that together successful. So from what you have said now, IT should be trained on quality and regulatory affairs to understand how it is working. I do training sessions, yes, with our IT people, where I had a session recently with uh, our risk managers where they walk them through how they do risk management because they wanted to try to understand that better and see also what is the opportunities for, uh, to bring digital tools in this, in this area. And it was a dedicated session about um, risk management, yes. Good. I mean, it's a good progress. <laughs> because otherwise, you know, also other vendors are coming in and yeah. saying, of course, they will always say, our tool can do everything. It's the best tool. I've never heard a vendor said like, you know, no, 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 this tool is really, our tool is not great for this, you know. <laughs> but the, my competitor, he has that great tool that will do all this magical things for you and it's much cheaper. So maybe you want to go there. No, of course, right? But to do the proper assessments, you need to have the right knowledge. Oh, great. Agreed. <laughs> I was actually just thinking, like, when you said that, like, IT and digital, if you just look what happened in the pharma industry 10 years ago, what a lot of the CEOs did, they defined a chief digital officer, CDO. Mm -hmm. There was a new role in 2014, the first one started it, on purpose because they did not believe IT would pick it up. And they installed a group in there to disrupt. And what was interesting is they got these people all from different industries if that was good or bad, I don't know, but people from Google, from Coca-Cola, from Nike were pitching up in these companies, don't, not having a clue about the products, right? Not have a, never been in pharma, but just to kind of move the needle, um, kind of thinking like maybe it's something has to happen that, you know, from executive leadership, they, they make a statement and said, right, if they're committed top down, that's probably the way it can work. Good, good. Any question? No. Come on, guys. Yeah. Don't be shy. So maybe a question on the AI-based literature research that Denise talked about. So great idea. I think this is a really good application. Um, but I think a lot of um, what, what organizations or manufacturers would uh, uh, then see as a challenge is the validation of such tools, either given by a quality manager or an external auditor. How would you re react to that? No, I mean, you're absolutely right, right? It's, it's a, you have to validate the tools you're bringing in-house and auditors even get more nervous if they hear AI on top of that, right? So, yeah, so it's, I mean, it's something where we support right now if someone wants to use it in-house. We had to go through the cycle ourselves, right? Because we're also certified. But yeah, no, it's, it's a real thing, right? Uh, that everything has to be validated. But I think like the opportunity we as an industry have, I feel like MedTech has a better sense for that this actually needs to be done, right? And I think we're getting, when we were talking to some of our, you know, customers, we were exactly getting these questions. So they're asking the right questions to validate what they're bringing house. From my experience, like 10 years ago at Pharma, no one was asking a question. You had scientists sitting in front of you, right? They experiment, they do stuff. They, they, you know, they have never seen a specification. They didn't know how to kind of describe their user requirements. But I think, yeah, if you want to do it right, you have to ask these questions and see how you bring it in house. If you really want to implement it yourself, right? 
No, well point. Maybe just by raising hand, I don't know if you are okay. So um, who is afraid of AI to maybe the industry or to the regulatory or maybe even to losing your job because AI is here? So who is afraid? No one? Interesting. We have a very innovative um, participants here at this conference, Munir. So. I mean, we see a lot of uh, people saying that AI will, yeah, uh, take our jobs because they will tell directly to uh, manufacturers what to do so they don't need me anymore to help them. Chat GPT, I will tell him, how can you write me my technical file? Here are the information. Can you write it, etc. So yeah. at the end... Please, ChatGPT, write me the uh, technical documentation according to Annex 2, and please also then add Annex 3, the PMS plan and the PSUR, um, based on the MDCG uh, template, and please submit to the notified body. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's not going to happen soon. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's interesting, or it's important to understand what AI is capable of and what not. And a lot of people, for example, in the context of post-market surveillance, where you have to collect a lot of different data sets from different sources, um, they often ask us, isn't there anything that we can do with AI? And I said, well, Denise, you mentioned it. Have a look at the data and the quality of the data first. I mean, using AI for post-market surveillance is, at the moment, far away. So first, we have to do our homework. We have to digitalize other processes first. And this is the content of the technical documentation. So this is where we are now. Maybe next year we have a different perspective here. We don't know. Okay. Any other perspective on AI? Maybe? No? Okay. Florian? Yeah, just one comment uh, to your question. I'm, I think I'm more afraid of the people that are using AI that don't know how to use it <laughs> than of AI itself. Okay, no, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good point here, yeah. As, as I think it was you, Marcus, who told that you have to teach people how to use some tools, and if they don't know how to use it, I mean, at the end, you, you put garbage in, garbage out, so many is that. Yes, exactly, and I think to your question, like where we are, where I see ourselves is right, we need to get the, the data quality, and I think, Denise, you alluded to that one, you can have the best algorithm in the world if you don't have your data foundation in order and clear rules. Um, the AI will not magically sort out and you know find the data that you are missing and 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 do something to this, right? Um, so it starts with with the hard work to properly define, collect, uh, and put that data foundation. Uh, into place and that pre-step needs to happen before you can then can think of how can I now start analyzing that using other tools anything else? yeah okay okay so thank you very much I think it was a great session so thanks also for the panel uh, about all the answers that we have provided and uh, yeah I think we are making the closing here thanks everyone bye thanks Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.